Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Slacker News. It is Wednesday the 8th of November. Uh, I'm Shane. I'm Martin. Today we're going to talk about Waymo's new self-driving cars that are actually on the road without drivers. We're going to talk about a, a slight flaw with the parity wallet uh, for Ethereum. I think we should start with that. The parity wallet for Ethereum, the parity multi-signature wallet, uh, all of them created since July, have broken because some guy, uh, he got he made himself the owner of the code library on the Ethereum blockchain. And he destroyed it by accident, or so he says. So now we've got $280 million of Ethereum lost in the ether, if you will. Ha ha ha. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you okay there? Yeah, that like was, my pun. That was great. That was that was beautiful. Yeah, I'm not mad at all. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so basically, the the lovely boy who goes by the name of DevOps One Nine Nine, he he gained control of this library that the Parity Wallet depends on, and he became the owner, and he destroyed it because I don't know. He was like, okay, I mean. Oh shit, I should like he created he type I think create wallet and he was like, Oh shit and he went kill to delete the wallet. And that's then what was his thinking and then he killed the entire library and yeah. now it's no longer accessible. Because blockchain. Yeah. And there's no way of fixing it. Because blockchain. Yeah. Now there's two hundred and eighty million dollars gone. Because blockchain. And it's beautiful. <laughs> so um Some people are calling for a hard fork. Yeah. No, no, can't thanks. do a hard fork because this isn't a problem with Ethereum. This is a problem with some code that someone wrote. Yeah. It doesn't represent that much of Ethereum. Like, is Ethereum a billion? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, so when it was being reported that this was $150 million, that was, uh, I saw a comment somewhere that said that was 0.5% of the market cap. So this would be 1% now. That's. Uh, I will find out right now. Perfect. So uh, 90 million of the code or 90 million of the, the Ethereum that was in the, in the wallet was owned by Gavin Woods, which was, he was a Ethereum core developer. Yeah. And uh, a co-founder of Parity. Parity? Yep. P-A-R-I-T-Y. Yeah. Parity. So he was the co-founder of Parity and um, he lost 90, 90 million dollars from his Polkadot ICO. And it's kind of his fault because he wrote the code. Yeah, so we're looking at the, the contract source code on etherscan.io. And right at the top. Authors, Gav Wood, no one else. Authors. Yeah. It's just him. <laughs> like, it's authors, colon, next line, Gav Wood, g at the dev dot com. Okay, so Ethereum oh, no. market cap, F -dev. 28 billion. And 28. there's 95 point five million so one million of that is gone so it's about nearly one percent okay yeah so one percent. just over one percent of all of the ethereum is gone forever yeah but the uh the dao or the dao was a uh, 15 percent. that's a lot that's quite a lot uh and it was i suppose it was earlier days then so it was kind of easier to get away with this but people people still didn't like that that forked. They still thought it should be immutable, and uh, that's why Ethereum Classic exists, and is somewhat relevant sometimes. Yeah, the whole thing is 
you gotta argue should you fork it should you not fork it i think no Mm. because this was a private business who fucked up yeah if ethereum itself there was a flaw in that then yes um someone was saying that vitalik buterin should give this guy like a thousand ethereum for discovering this but it's not bugging ether so once again why would he give him a thousand like a bug bounty oh no it's not it's not a ethereum bug so no it's like oh i find a bug in ebay they use c sharp microsoft <laughs> should give me money fair it's completely unrelated fair um maybe maybe gavwood has some uh some paper wallets that they can empty give this guy some and hopefully bounty. doesn't own any handguns <laughs> <laughs> what a lad Imagine you lost 90 million of other people's money they gave to you. Yeah. that's uh, You wouldn't care. Well, you would still care. <laughs> I would uh, not like to be DevOps 199. That's uh, my takeaway from the story. Well, if they can't find out who he actually is, it's kind of funny. I guess. Yeah. But uh, I still wouldn't like to be him. It's like... Bet his name is Gavin Woods. <laughs> hey guys i was just messing around in my alt account and oh okay good thing this one was anonymous <laughs> yeah the the price didn't it's fine it it went down 20 euro and went back up 20 euro yeah within half a day because people realize it doesn't matter yeah and it doesn't affect them yeah uh, unless you had all your stuff in parity which uh rip why would you use it i think it had some kind of platform for developing smart contracts I think that was the main use. So you could like load up wallets with Ethereum to run smart contracts. So it's like a, I think it's like a developer platform for smart contracts. Oh, okay. But it has wallets built in, I guess. So this only affects developers. I think so. But like who else uses Ethereum? Let's be real. Traders. It's not even a currency. Cool kids. Traders is the only other option, I suppose. Have you seen any stores that accept Ethereum? Not yet. People take Bitcoin, but that's been it exclusively. Yeah, but they're not going to take Bitcoin anymore. Why? Because of block times and fees. No one wants to pay five euro to pay five euro. Yeah, that's (laughs) fair. Litecoin. It's gone out of hand, but it's still... It's only got out of hand because it's popular, so it's kind of an interesting problem to have. But the more it goes up, the less useful it is to everyone. That's why. But it keeps going up. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, so I'm on the Parity website, Parity.io, because it's a startup. Parity.io, the fastest and most secure way of interacting with the Ethereum blockchain. If you don't want your Ethereum anymore. Our client powers much of the infrastructure of the public Ethereum network and is used by companies and users alike. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> so there's kind of a big deal. They have a very nice website, as all these things do. This Lots of moving SVGs. Reading their website is really funny now that they're broken. Yeah, anyone like anyone who's promoting something super heavily, and then you go and back read when that exact thing is broken, it's great. Like my stomach is rumbling. <laughs> okay, so for users, Parity comes with an extensive, easy to use inbuilt Ethereum wallet and DAP environment distributed application. Yeah, the DAP store, etc. <laughs> That can be accessed via your web browser of choice. So it has account, address book, and multi-sig management, key creation, importing and exporting, web3 DAP browser, 
hardware and electronic code wallet support and name registry support. So if that means anything to you. Does it work on Netscape? Web browser of your choice. Yeah. Does that support Web3? Oh, no, Web3 is like the like the alternate thing, isn't it? You, uh, you use like the Mist browser to like browse Ethereum stuff in the web browser. Um, You're the Ethereum guy. <laughs> so for enterprises, Parity is designed for mission critical use in the enterprise environments. <laughs> mission critical. Parity has enough... Can I just say that it's really funny that it's called parody because that's like error checking, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll leave that where it is. Um, parody has a number of features that make it perfect for deployment in private or consortium setting with uh, fast transaction processing, proof of authority consensus engines, privacy and control features, variety of deployment solutions, and ability to augment features. Okay, so, so parity is the state or condition of being equal, especially as regards status or pay. Wow, that's a... So there'd be parity between our two wages? Okay. Because we have the same position. Got it. Okay, so uh, it's high performance, ultra-reliable. Oh, yeah. It's because it's the Rust language, that's it. It's Future-proof. How's it Rust? Um, I don't know. They're something or other is in rust i like obviously they're still using solidity for contracts but something is in rust their platform whatever i don't even know what they offer i've read this whole website and i don't know like they have a wallet but they have like a dap development thing i don't know it's uh like, it's slight tangent should i be developing my cryptocurrency exchange in rust no no like the I flowchart def- for rust is do you work at mozilla no okay <laughs> it's like it's like go it's like do you work at google no okay don't use go because use something old and boring and stable microsoft sql server is what i'm using and i feel disgusting um what about postgres or mysql then i'd have to learn something new yeah okay that's fair yeah how are you hosting sql server though because that costs a bloody fortune doesn't it mm, gonna put it in azure because it's free oh right okay but if you're not a student it'll cost you millions and billions of dollars is it really expensive sql server licenses are very expensive but that might be like on-premise actual licenses not like usage but sql is very very expensive um so it's high performance ultra reliable future proof small footprint because it's rust so it's it's an actual like application that you install on your computer but they do web stuff as well so it's a one-line install on Mac and Linux, which is weird. And so Windows and even install on Windows. It doesn't say that. <laughs> it says Docker images available and library APIs are fully documented and compatible with loads of shit because it uses JSON. Same. Tested from day one. <laughs> what? What does that mean? One hundred percent reviewed. Every line and code base is fully reviewed at least. By at least one expert developer and routinely two or more. <laughs> so they have a Gitter chat. Uh, Gitter is like Slack, but for development teams. Kind of, well, I suppose Slack is for development teams. It's uh, it's like linked to GitHub, so you can have like a Gitter discussion. And uh, your man posted in there as well. It's pretty funny. People were like, get a lawyer or just log off. Or, oh yeah, I could have made that mistake. 
like one of the it might have been Gavin Woods or one of the other developers was like yeah that's a mistake I would have made at the start because apparently this guy was only learning about Ethereum and so he's no malice. he's not even salty I don't think so. like I think he gets it he's like well what can you do it's I not fucked up so this is from the Guardian and it says Facebook asks users for nude photos in project to combat revenge porn so Revenge porn is where someone has, you know, something out on you, you broke up with them or you did something bad, and they have nude photos of you and they put them out on the internet without your consent. That's revenge porn. So uh, this is a pilot effort in Australia, and the company will hash images, convert them into digital fingerprints that will prevent any other attempts to upload the same picture. So if it's the exact same photo and someone's trying to upload it, then they can't because they, they're like, oh, we recognize this. Hash. What if I draw a mustache on the, the hash person? is different, so you can put up that nude. Yes. So uh this is happening in Australia and Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So they have it works on Messenger and Instagram and Facebook. So if you try and publish any of these images that have been identified or tagged onto any of those platforms, they won't let you. Uh wouldn't it wouldn't really be an issue anyway like i know it'd be an issue you know if, if it was up yeah. for like maybe an hour yeah but, but instagram instagram don't allow porn at all yeah they have a they've ways to detect nipples and stuff that is class i think they use machine learning <laughs> that is that's class technology yeah um I so want that on my cv <laughs> so you send them to facebook like this facebook team or whatever uh so you use messenger to send the images to be hashed and uh, it blocks attempts to re-upload the same images. The e-safety commissioner in Australia says it will allow victims of image-based abuse to take action before pictures were posted to Facebook, Instagram, or Messenger. And apparently as well, there's a shared like kind of database between Facebook, Google, and Twitter, I think, were the companies, that has like a list of known hashes for images that they don't want on their platform. So anything with... like revenge porn or extremist stuff or child abuse stuff they have a hash of those images so they can detect them across their platforms so there's some statistics here roughly four percent of u.s internet users have been victims of revenge porn according to a 2016 four. report four percent four percent of 300 million you well u.s internet users so let's say 200 because people in prison don't count even if it was just like 100 okay. million people four percent four percent of 200 million still quite a lot 8 million people and this so that was a 2016 report from the data and society research institute but this proportion rises to 10 percent when dealing with women under the age of 30 so 10 percent that's one too 10. many way too many quite a lot that's fucked up the, yeah, that's just the people that have been caught as well is that is this just scummy people are there a lot more scummy people than i think there are yeah okay. the answer is always yes <laughs> So this builds on existing tools they have to deal with it. Uh, in April, they released reporting tools to flag intimate photos posted without their consent to specially trained representatives, and they review it and remove it if they want. And then that is added to the list of photos that they don't want to be uploaded. And it uses photo DNA to, uh, to kind of match the photos, which I think is a Microsoft technology. Yeah, I 2009 by Microsoft. Two issues with this. Okay. I feel the majority of nudes will be sent on Snapchat, so you wouldn't have a copy of that. Yeah. 
and then... I mean, Facebook can only control what Facebook owns, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying someone, you send it on Snapchat, someone takes a screenshot. Mm. And then they send it to... Although what they could do then would be have some sort of just any image at all that has that little thing up the top of the timer. Yeah. Just check those. <laughs> no, because like so many people's photos are those. Like people take photos from nights out and like yeah. my profile photo had one of those in it. Videos? Can't do anything with that. That yeah. would require way too much. Although you could hash a video, but then you could clip off 0.3 of a second. Yeah. Um. So uh, the thing about this is Facebook have it on the servers for a while. They get the hash, then they delete it. But I don't think it really matters that much. I mean, unless... So, if you have images that you want to be sent to make sure that they can't be uploaded by anyone else, you have to send them to Facebook. But if you have sent them to other people, which is the only way that they're going to spread, and you've used Messenger or Facebook or whatever, they're going to be on Facebook server anyways because they're going to be in your chat conversation history. So, it, they do delete them, but it doesn't matter if they delete them. Because they're on their servers anyways, most likely. And then there's the argument that there's so many pictures there. If anything ever got breached, you're probably fine. Oh, yeah. I get what you mean. It's, I suppose that's it would be bad if they had a database that was just people's nude photos that they don't want leaked. By name and age and <laughs> yeah. address. Yeah. So uh, if that was ever compromised. So I guess they do have to delete them. I mean, if they're just using the hashes, they, they don't need to keep them They can't keep anyways. them all. There's too much. There's too much data. I mean, there's never too much data. This is this is the internet now. So, yeah, that's that's that. It's a pilot program in Australia at the moment, but a Facebook, spo- Facebook spokeswoman said the company was exploring additional partners and countries. Okay, so now we have Waymo, the self-driving startup out of Google. They now have uh, they've launched a fleet of self-driving cars with no actual drivers in them now in Phoenix. Which I didn't think was legal, but hearing that Phoenix makes it sound better because that's just a huge fucking desert. Well, I think they're based out of Phoenix anyway. Ah, okay, that's interesting. Don't hold me to that. I don't know. Cool. Okay. <laughs> so um says their first product will be a driverless taxi service in the Phoenix area. So I think that's been their plan, like for Google's plan for them for like a while. Hmm. But basically, they're doing trial runs, I think. Initially, they wanted to just sell the technology to people, but they found what was happening was early on they'd have they had cameras in the car just to see what the actual drivers were doing, and they said some of them were just texting, doing their makeup, and on occasion just napping. That would be me. I think that so would be me. They trusted the technology too quickly. Right. So the issue wasn't people going, oh, no, I don't want to use this. It was people going, like, this works flawlessly. I'm in. It's like a Tesla autopilot. People trust it way too much. Yeah. It's a, there's there's videos of people, like, lay back in their car, sleeping, feet on the wheel, or Dead. feet near the wheel, I suppose. Car in the ocean. Car just driving down the highway <laughs> until a white truck comes by and the cameras think it's the sky. <laughs> and then the guy dies or something. So that was a, that Oh, was my a God. We can start, like, a painting mis- pictures <laughs> of streets on trucks. Jesus Christ. That's so evil. I love the trucks that are just, like, giant loaves of bread. That's not evil. That'll get us a bug bounty. I suppose. <laughs> I suppose Elon Musk would be like, hey, I have a PayPal account with something in it. But, yeah, so there's so are they just sitting in the back seat? did you say? Yeah, they have people who just sit in the back seat, and they have a button that says, like, pull over in case anything's wrong. Nice. So that's just at the minute for like the more the testing. testing. Yeah. 
So if that was a passenger, they might be in the back with a pullover thing? Um, or do they not get the choice? I don't know if they're going to have the pullover button in the actual taxi service. Mm. But they would because it's a taxi. Yeah. So they'd be I like, guess. pull over, taxi. Unless you just use your phone app to just pull it out and it just let you out when you were near. Yeah. Since your, your phone dies and you get stuck in this, this, this car that never stops. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I think it'd be good for public transport more than anything. Yeah, as opposed to because it follows like predictable routes. Yeah, you could track it perfectly. And yeah, I mean, like Lewis drivers shouldn't be getting as much as they fucking get because they press forward and backward essentially. See, we don't know if they have anything extra they have to do. I don't know. Like, I don't know if a Lewis driver's job is easy. It mm. sounds easy. Yeah. Um. And it's like it's literally on rails, so it shouldn't be too hard to automate. Well, we can automate that bit, but we can't automate. Oh, someone fell in front of it. Yeah, exactly. You're censored though. We don't have. They're not good enough. Is the whole point. Okay. So we're getting there. Yeah, but I mean, like that would be the first candidate, I think. So, what do you think is the use for you? Would you just trust it immediately, or like say they brought out maybe not my taxi because they're kind of shy. Say Halo was still going, and they brought out a self-driving taxi. I thought my taxi bought Halo. Yeah, they did, but they fucked it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, here, no. Or Uber or Lyft or someone came okay. here. I don't get taxis. Oh, yeah. First of all. Well, if it was a lot cheaper. If it was a lot cheaper, how safe is it? They just bring it in. They say it's safe. All right, say the car crashes. What sort of compensation do I get? Because um, if it's a lot, then fine. But You're if willing they... to take that risk. Yeah. <laughs> I have seatbelts, it's fine. Exactly. I suppose um, a self-driving car isn't going to speed. No. Or, you know, snap people on the way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I would probably trust it a bit too quick, but I assume the compensation is pretty good. Like, if it's going to be on the road, I assume it's perfectly safe. Yeah. Like we have regulations, especially in the EU. Yeah, I was just Shit doesn't say, just happen. <laughs> like yeah, everything has to be properly tested before anything happens at all. Yeah. I wouldn't sit in a self-driving car at the minute. I don't trust it, but I do. Hmm. I don't really I I'm either way. Would you if rather Musk did it? <laughs> would you rather have a car and pay for car things like insurance and all that crack? Or own a part of a network of cars that are self-driving and you can request them and it's cost-effective. Stop describing buses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you can find a bus that goes to the fucking back arse of nowhere, then yeah. uh, I would gladly get on it because I need to get home at some point. Yeah. Right. Should we wrap this up? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> This has been episode five. We are on all the socials, apart from... We're not on the socials. We are on Twitter. Are we? Yeah, yeah. I did that. I did Twitter. We are on podcast things such as SoundCloud we're and on, Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn, under Slacker News Podcast. Our Twitter is Slacker Newscast because the names can only be so long. Yeah. We're going to go on iTunes. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe by the time you hear this, we'll be on iTunes. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, hi. I hope the future's nice. <laughs> Goodbye.